Check. Oh, there it is. It was off, sorry. Last weekend, we studied a new series called The New Life, The Path to New Life. It's a series on the Beatitudes. Jesus preached a great sermon up on a hill with a big crowd there. And the Beatitudes, they were the introduction to his sermon that he has given. I mean, what's more important than Jesus' words, right? This is the heart of Jesus, the Beatitudes. You know, the people who heard it, they've, not, they've heard nothing like that before. I mean, it was so different from all the things they've been taught. It was the new path, new path. It was a path to a new life. And it is the path to new life which Jesus wants all of us to live. Let's start with the prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful Sabbath where we can gather together and worship you. I pray that you be with us, you guide us, guide our hearts, Father. May this message be, uh, be just transforming power in our heart, Lord. Now, as we open the Bible, open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Very short. We're going to read it all together. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Loma Linda Church, the effect of life is that we live in a broken world. Life is tough in this broken world. Life is not easy. Life is tough. Life is hard. Life is difficult. We know this from Genesis. Ever since humanity has sinned and rebelled against God, the world was broken. The world is full of sin. Nothing on earth works perfectly. Isn't that true? Our body doesn't work perfectly. Our job doesn't work out perfectly. The weather doesn't work perfectly. Why is it so hot this week? Right? Nothing in this world works perfectly. The economy doesn't work perfectly. No relationship works perfectly. Your marriage doesn't work perfectly. So we have to deal with broken hearts. Life is full of losses. Life is full of grief and sorrow. We have our failures and we have our disappointments. As long as we live in this sinful world, we'll continue to experience pain, suffering, and despair. We'll continue to deal with broken hearts. Look at today's verse again. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, if you think about it, this is absolutely absurd. Right? It makes no sense at all. If someone is mourning and they're, pro- they're, they're crying, you go to them and go, that's a blessing. Can you imagine? 
This is completely irrational. Let's try to understand what Jesus means by this, okay? You know, the first thought that came to my mind when I looked at this verse was that God doesn't expect us to be happy all the time. Okay? It's true. God understands that the life here on earth is tough and we can't be happy all the time. This is sad news to me, but it is a reality for all of us. We say happy Sabbath to, to our friends here on Sabbath, right? We come and like, hey, happy Sabbath every weekend. But you know, we all agree that we're not always happy even on Sabbaths. Isn't that right? You know, it's funny because for all my life, I've said happy Sabbath to many times, but not that many people have said, no, it's not a happy Sabbath. You know what I mean? It's a bad Sabbath. No, nobody told me that ever. But some people have told me that, mm, but without really being truthful in our heart, we, we say happy Sabbath all the time, but we do understand that God does not expect us to be happy all the time. Right? I mean, think about it. You come to church and say happy Sabbath, but maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe you had a rough week. Huh? Maybe, um, maybe you didn't do too well on your exam. Okay? Maybe your friends were not that nice to you that week. Maybe you and your wife or your husband, maybe you had a fight last night. I didn't, but some of you guys may have. You know what I mean? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you had a, like a fight last night with your spouse or girlfriend, boyfriend. Sabbath, don't lie. Okay? <laughs> you know, the reality is that there's so many, probably some of us may have had a fight last night. Right? It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. In reality, it's not going to be any song. The sun will come out. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's, this, this is why I don't sing. Okay, the sun will come out. You know, it's not, sun may not come out tomorrow because sometimes tomorrow is worse than today. We can be happy all the time and God understands that. King Solomon describes this in a poetic way in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, There is time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to, time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill. I hope nobody had a time to kill. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. And here it is, verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. So the Bible is saying that sometimes being sad is appropriate. Sometimes grieving and mourning is appropriate. It is okay to cry. We live in a broken world, and we can be Brokenhearted. That's just the reality of life. 
Just look at the news, okay? Just go online and turn on the TV and look at the news. People getting shot, people getting hurt, little kids getting killed. There is devastation all around the world. Just ask people to share prayer requests, right? My neighbor just got diagnosed with cancer. My kid is sick. My friend is suffering. My co-worker is dying. But he's got children. There's a lot of pain out there. So God understands mourning. And what does he do? The Bible says he comforts us. For they will be comforted. We're not left alone in this broken world. We're not left alone with a broken heart. Okay? We have a comforter. When my daughter was maybe one and a half, not even two, my wife went to a mall, and the mall had this little children's playground area, okay? And they did a little shopping and whatever, and they came back home, uh, and my wife was really upset, okay? As you know, my wife, she never gets upset. Even if she's upset, she's like, don't do that. You know, that's, that's the way she is, <laughs> okay? All right? She comes home, she's really upset, and she said that when... One of our daughters was playing. A boy was sitting next to this toy car, and she was sitting down, and there are two boys around her, and one of the boys bit her arm and made a tooth mark. Okay? It's like a teeth mark. It's like an animal, right? And this boy, and then she went there, and she's like, who bit my daughter? And then, the parents of the both, the both boys, they're like, not my kid. So she couldn't even find out who bit my daughter. All right? She came home, she told me about this, and I got all worked up. I was really upset. I was ready to go to the mall and find the dad of that child and punch him in the nose. Right? I was really upset. Now, if I did that, if I actually went to the mall and found a dad and did that, Would that make my daughter feel better? No. Isn't that funny how when we get angry, all we think about is getting even? That's whole beside the point. Anyway, coming back to the story. The best thing I could have done is probably what is really important, and that is comforting my daughter. If I went and fought with the father of the son who bit my daughter, you know, that would not have helped my daughter at all whatsoever. You know, in the long run, comforting my daughter would have helped. You know what I mean? I can be there for her. She can feel better. You know, the scar, the scar, it didn't last long, maybe a year. No, I'm just kidding. It's a couple, a couple days, right? The scar was gone. She felt better. Right? I could have used that time to comfort her, and that could have been the best thing I could have done for her. Right? Apparently, 
Oh, man, I said I, I was not good at something last weekend. Apparently, I am not very good at comforting people. Okay? Hey, some people got it. They just have this soothing voice. They just say a few words. You're like, oh, I feel better already. Right? Apparently, I'm not very good at comforting people. I'm just admitting the fact, okay? When my kids were little, every time they would get scratches or minor cuts, they would always want Band-Aids, right? What is up with the Band-Aids and children anyway? Why do they love Band-Aids? Anyway, they would always want cute Band-Aid because I got two girls, right? Daddy, can I have the pink one? Daddy, can I have the Hello Kitty one? And then all I needed to do was to just give them pink Band-Aid and be the hero and save the day. You know what I mean? Right? It's so easy. Like, oh, you feel, you feel hurt? Here, here's a Band-Aid. Do you feel better? Oh, I can save the day. Right? But what do I do? I had to lecture them. You know, if you're more careful, you're not going to get scratches anymore. You know, when you play, if you don't play so rough, then you're not going to need Band-Aid. Why? As I look back, I don't know why I did that. It's like, give them the Band-Aids and be the hero and save the day. What is wrong with me? Right? You know what? Moments of comfort from a parent... Those are some of the sweetest moments of our lives. I may not be very good at it, but guess what? Our heavenly Father is master at it. That's what we're finding today. We can get sad, we'll have disappointments, we can be brokenhearted in this broken world, but you can be comforted by our Heavenly Father. Amen? Having said all that, I would like to share with you another side of mourning we do not talk about enough. It is the spiritual mourning. By spiritual mourning, I mean mourning over our sins. Loma in the church, when was the last time you mourned over your sinful behaviors or sinful heart? God blesses those who are deeply saddened by their sins. The Greek word for to mourn used here is the strongest word for mourning in the Greek language. Okay? It is a word which is used for mourning for the dead, for the passionate lament for one who was loved. It is defined as a kind of grief that you cannot hold it because it's so sad. It is not only the sorrow which brings an ache to the heart. You have a heartache because you have sinned. You mourn over your sins. The Bible says, wage of sin is death. The broken world is full of sins and the outcome is pain, 
suffering, and yes, death. We who are sinners must mourn over our sins. In Steps to Christ, Ellen White defines repentance as being sorry for what you have done and turning away from it. One more time. Repentance is being sorry for what we have done and turning away from it. It is a change of direction, but it starts with being sorry for my sins. Loma Linda Church, we should be brokenhearted for our sins. The main thought from today's verse undoubtedly is Blessed are those who are desperately sorry for their own sin and their own unworthiness. Jesus wanted to show a path, okay, a path to the new life, and this path would include repent. Repent. No one can repent unless they are sorry for their sins. The way everything starts, our Christian life, the way it starts is to recognize my wretchedness and being sorry for my sins. This is a change of direction. You know, we cannot change ourselves overnight, but we can definitely change direction overnight. Repentance is a change of direction. You see, this is the main work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit works within us to convict us of our sinful heart and sinful ways. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Spirit is constantly working to help us to see what is godly and what is ungodly. We should be brokenhearted for our sins. But Jesus said that those who mourn are blessed because they will be comforted. Loma in the church, we will be comforted by the one who took care of our sins. When we mourn for our sins, we'll be comforted by the one who paid for our sins. In fact, if you think about it, only the ones who mourn will be comforted. Think about that. Only the brokenhearted will be comforted. If you think about it, this is the gospel, isn't it? How is it possible for mourners to be blessed and comforted? That is the good news that only the gospel teaches. Christianity begins with a sense of sin. Christianity begins with a sense of sin. Blessed are those who are intensely sorry for their sin. Those who are heartbroken for what their sins have done to God and to Jesus Christ. Those who see the cross and are appalled by the wage of sin. The way to the joy of forgiveness is through the desperate sorrow of the brokenhearted. William Barclay wrote this, okay? William Barclay who's a theologian, he wrote this, the meaning of the second beatitude. The meaning of the second beatitude is 
All the bliss of the man whose heart is broken for the world's suffering and for his own sin. For out of his sorrow, he will find the joy of God. For out of his sorrow, he will find the joy of God. What does this mean to us? You know the word to comfort uh, in Greek language is called parakaleo. Parakaleo means it means to comfort, but you know, literally, you know what it means? Parakaleo means to come very close. I'm sorry if I'm making you nervous, Ethan, but parakaleo means, actually, literally, it means to come near. So what the Greek language is showing, the word comfort means coming close to somebody and putting your arm around that person. Do you feel comforted or do you feel nervous? Okay, come on. <laughs> well, God is way better than that. So the word parakaleo, to comfort, means Jesus comes near you. You know, when I was listening to this, when I was studying this, I was like, I was picturing something. I was like, I was picturing about the prodigal son. When the prodigal son said, you know what, why am I living like this? I need to go back to my father. I can live way better than I am now. Even the servants of my, my father's household, they live better than this. So he actually returns, right? And the father is waiting and waiting and waiting for the son to come back. And he sees his son way from there, all rugged, wearing terrible clothes. But the father runs and he puts his arm around it. He actually puts the rope around his son, comforting his prodigal son. That's what to comfort means. This is the picture I wanted, to, I wanted you to picture. I have a picture for you. This is actually done by Rembrandt. If you can see, this is actually a very, very famous painting. Okay? In fact, this is actually the only painting I ever care I'm not really into art, but this piece of art is the only thing I care about. There's a book, there's a book called The Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen, and it's a wonderful book. And he uses this painting. The whole book's based on this painting. You see how he came close and he put his arms around him? I want to just end with the, with the, with the story. Um, two weeks ago was my, my daughter's um, graduation, and um, the speaker on Sabbath was Mrs. Woolley, who was, who was the principal of, of Redlands Adventist Academy. And she talked about how one day um, she was preparing for the graduation ceremony at Redlands Bowl, okay? If you've been there, it's a big stage. And she went up there, and then, and then it was just a couple hours before the graduation, and the stage was really dirty. Whoever was preparing and working for this graduation, they did not do their job, and it was really dirty. So she was like looking for, hey, who's going to clean this up? Okay? And he found a man right there finally with um, some dirty jeans and a t-shirt. And she went and said, um, are you going to clean the stage? And the man said, oh, yeah, whatever you need. And he grabbed the room and then, well, she asked him to clean the stage. And he grabbed the room and he cleaned the whole place. And they're getting ready. People started coming and all, and all that. And, and finally they... Saw, well, she saw the stage and it was ready. 
Okay? And then now she was looking for the presenter, Father Gregory. And she was looking for Father Gregory. And she couldn't find Father Gregory. So she was like, hey, did anyone, has anyone seen Father Gregory? And the man who was cleaning the stage, I'm here. And then finally, for the graduation, he put his robe on. He came, and she said this. This is really interesting. She said, oh, now, after he put his robe on, he looked good. And Loma Linda Church, I wanted to share that with you, okay? She said, after he put the robe on, she said, he looked good. I don't know if you know this or not, but Loma Linda Church, the ones who mourn for their sins will look completely different after they are comforted. The wretched sinners will turn into royalties. They will be sons and daughters of the true king. Psalm 30 verses 1 11, 12 says, You have turned my mourning into dancing for me. You've taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. What this is saying is that just like the prodigal son, looking like a beggar, when he came and when the father put the robe on him, he was reinstated as the heir of the household. You know what I mean? Those who mourn for their sins, those who mourn, those of us who mourn for our sins, we will be comforted. What it means is that Jesus, our comforter, will put his royal robe on us. And finally, you think you look good today? I'm sure you did your hair and then, you know, yeah, I put this nice shirt today, whatever. You know what? It doesn't even matter. Because wretched sinners like you and us, you and I, before the robe of righteousness, we are the beggar. We are the dirty guy on the street. But when we mourn for our sins, when our comforter puts the robe of righteousness on us for the very first time, you and I can look good. We will be sons and daughters of the true king. So Loma Linda Church, I hope you're good at dancing because, you know, it says our mourning will turn into dancing. And man, when I go to heaven, I don't want to see any unpleasant sight, okay? When you dance, you know what I mean? I hope you're good at dancing because God, our comforter, our Jesus, our comforter will turn our mourning into dancing. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you have done on the cross because Through what you have done on the cross, 
you put the robe of righteousness on our shoulders. And when we mourn for our sins, we will be comforted. We will finally turn into the sons and daughters of God. And we will look good for the very first time. In Jesus' name, amen.